0: available in more homes than the Pac-12 network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I
1: nice.
2: am oh, David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes. Miles Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com.
0: Reiner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. We are the Podcast of Champions.
2: Welcome everyone back to the podcast of champions. I am not David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, but I am Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And normally together we make the podcast of champions. It's going to be a solo show for me today. Uh, We're going to do some previewing of uh, week 12 recapping week 11 talk about what's going on and unfortunately my co-host david woods is not gonna be available if you saw on the twitters he tweeted out which was a great tweet on wednesday pour a final one out for the big guy donald woods greatest of all time dad five stars 10 of 10 would be parented by again and it's an awesome picture uh, of dave and his dad donald just sort of like the the dave beard we got going on and like the, the kooky glasses and the really funny look on his face, mouth open, and David got a pretzel in his mouth uh, as a little kid. so uh, it was a great one. Um, yeah, so unfortunately Dave's uh, father did pass away, been you know battling illness and uh succumbed uh, this week. so I, we David and I've been talking it's, you know, it's funny um, you know we just kind of became friends just covering football and, and being out and recruiting. And that's how we start, you know, recruiting events. That's how we started this podcast. We just always seem to get along. And uh, it was great. I love the chemistry that we have. And I think that's why the show has been as successful as it is. Um, You know, our lack of info and insight a lot of the time and intelligence, but we get along well. And so people kind of like the banter. Um, But it's, I've, you know, we've both gone through some personal crap for the last couple of years and just being able to be in studio together and kind of like compare notes it's something I've actually looked forward to a lot. So uh knew this was coming and uh, it's, you know, it wasn't going to be easy. So uh, just, you know, my good friend, Dave, I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to him and sorry, I couldn't be here on the show, but I'll do this one solo. He sent me his picks and stuff. So I'll try to get through everything that we normally talk about so we can uh, get you guys a, a show, but we'll get David back next week, probably an early show next week. Cause of uh thanksgiving and stuff so we'll see what his schedule's like if if he can do it if he can't you know i can do a solo again or we'll figure something else out but i just want to give a little shout out to our buddy our friend the heart and soul of the podcast of champions uh you know he does all the work too so i don't know how it's gonna work today uh david woods if you have questions or comments for us pack 12 podcast at gmail.com you can also call or text us at 424-532-0678 you can tweet us at Pac-12 Podcast, and the website, pac12podcast.com. Over on the Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions, where you can chat with other POC listeners. And on the Apple Podcasting app, follow, rate us, give us that five stars. That's what we're looking for, the five stars. And if you do, our favorite one every week, we are going to give you a $100 gift card to Jockey. I've had to send out a bunch of those. Um, Sending them out this week. Uh, from last week's show, but yeah, Jockey's been awesome, and uh, we love uh, we love their partnership with the POC. All right, we do have three new reviews this week, I believe. Uh, this Is Nice was one. This podcast is much like the Pac-12 itself. To win, it just has to be the least chaotic out of all of its competitors, and that's not hard because there's just not a ton of great top-level competition. With love, XOXOXO. We got some uh, hugs and kisses from This Is Nice. Thank you, This Is Nice. Uh, This is is a long one. Champs talking champs. This podcast is so well-researched, so focused on football. I made up a superstar team full of inspirational Pac-12 coaches to truly describe what roller coaster you're in line for every Monday. Uh, We don't usually record on Mondays, but that's fine. Uh, At head coach, we have the one and only Paul Wolf. Uh, Nothing says success like the darling of Coug Nation pre-Rolo. The world is full of great men, and a great man is nothing more than what a strong mother makes him. Thank you, Dolores, for your years of motherly service. At defensive coordinator, we have Jerry as an arrow. Dave speaking. Uh, What would my UCLA juggernaut do without our uh, earth-shaking man of men, leader of great secondary of the planet, of the greatest secondary on the planet, excuse me. Uh, Absolutely nothing, of course. At offensive coordinator, we have Kevin Sumlin running a pro-style offense because Khalil Tate has the equivalent speed of a seahorse. He wasn't a dark horse for the Heisman after 1,400 yards rushing. Special teams coordinator, we have Joe Avezzano. Uh, I don't know who that is. I wasn't even alive for this glorious tenure, but I assume this was a highlight for the beeves As a coog he says, insert big growl sound, we understand thanks to our one-time genius coach that has a last name that resembles the skill, ingenuity, and physical prowess of a pug, And plainly resembles a pug. And of course, the other more recent inspiration that uncovered Bill Gates was behind it all. At Head Recruiter, we have Jimmy Lake. Just keep slapping those recruits in shape, buddy. Maybe Georgia Southern has a sister school for you. Thank you for following this uh, conference of futility. May our future be full of strippers, monkey-biting children parody, and a return of Champagne Larry. The truth is, we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? (laughs) All right. Thanks, champs. Uh, talking champs. And then the last one, uh, we have entertaining. Uh, I, I unironically look forward to listening every week. The guys keep things interesting with their commentary on the state of the Pac-12. Feels like a good 30 to 50% of the runtime is dedicated purely to reading through joke reviews, begging for underwear gift cards, but most of the time, those are funny too. Uh, would recommend to any Pac-12 football fan who wants to feel camaraderie and watching the conference implode on itself every year. Also, I don't want the gift card. I just want to uh, shout out my good friend and Trojan fan, Chris C., who recommended the podcast to me. Go Bruins. Thanks, Entertaining, for that one. Uh, Entertaining, you might not want it, but you want it. Um, Champs Talk of Champs is a little much for my solo show to read all that. But I would say, Entertaining, yeah. You want to get a $100 gift card to jockey just send us an email send one email to me ryan at uscfootball.com and i will send that out to you but and yes i know part of the the show ends up being us talking about uh reading our reviews i don't it's not just like hey we're stroking ourselves to read the reviews they're usually really funny so that's kind of why like the people that listen i I mean i think both dave and i love it you know we get it that uh people get into it and uh they have a good time with it and, and we have a good time with it too so if they weren't funny we wouldn't read them all but and then we just sort of I'd say we read them all because it's a five star thing. It's like a, kind of our stick, but luckily they're mostly funny. If they started to go downhill and weren't funny anymore, I think we'd have to stop doing that. Okay, uh, before we get into everything, just wanted to let everyone know about my bookie. Uh, my picks were not good this past week. We had one that lost by half a point, one that ended up in a in a push. Um, so I lost a little money my my bookie account, but I'm still about double what I started with a few weeks ago. So I'm in good shape there. They um, actually I have some cool stuff too. I tried out this week where they have like free blackjack tournaments. If you just want to go on there, they give you a bunch of chips and you can kind of play for free and check them out. And of course, you can bet all of the uh, Pac-12 games. And if you use the promo code Pac-12 at mybookie.com, you can go check it out and get a free deposit match. It'll be a bonus doubling your money for every bet you place. So all you got to do is sign up using the the promo code Pac-12. So tons of games. Uh, in the Pac 12, we're going to talk about. But there's also some cool NFL stuff. Uh, this Sunday, two powerhouse offenses will meet Kansas City Chiefs uh, at uh, taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the Cowboys put up a whole bunch of points this last week. So do the Chiefs. It's funny, I have Dak Prescott in one league and I have uh, Patrick Mahomes in the other, and they've both been sort of like meh. And uh, they've had breakout games. So if you want to take a, a bet on any of those, you can go over to my bookie, uh, redeem your double uh, deposit bonus. And you can bet on that game and uh, basically free, basically use the, the free money you got and bet on that. And if you win, it's cool. If not, you still got the money that you put in there, but you can bet anytime, anything, anywhere with my bookie and use that promo code pack 12 to help you out. Okay. I got a bunch of notes. And since Dave's not here, I can talk about anything I want, but there's some, you know, real breaking news. Uh, Jimmy Lake, he gone. So if you remember, that's the head coach of Washington. He, uh, yeah, got suspended. We all thought that he was going to be fired. Um, you know, Dave, I don't think really thought he was, should have been fired because he liked his, you know, the the idea that Washington punted when they were down eight and there was two minutes left in the game, and you know, it was, it's fourth and long. Like you don't want to, you don't want to have to go for it in that situation. You punting is smart. Obviously, being facetious, Dave was tweeting out and saying. Look, make no mistake about it. The only reason Jimmy Lake or the reason, the main reason Jimmy Lake was fired is because he punted on fourth down when they were down eight points and there was no way to basically get the ball back against uh, Oregon. So Jimmy Lake was suspended for a game. Uh, then it came out that he is fired. So add the, the Washington uh, opening to the mix. I think Dave had a funny tweet. Um, Kyle Bonagora asked like what, should they call the Apple Cup this year? And uh, Dave said the Application Bowl, which is kind of funny. And at least at the time, Kyle said that was the leader in the clubhouse. So yes, Jimmy Lake, Rolovich, both gone. Uh, the Apple Cup will feature, uh, t- you know, interim head coaches. Um, interesting to see where Washington goes. Obviously, it's a more prestigious job. Um, you know, it's you know outside of the USC's and the and the Oregon's, it would be right up there. You know, kind of like with UCLA, I would assume um, a lot of people feel it's a, a top 15 kind of job. Um, you know, this is a weird one as far as like only been on the, you know, basically like a year and a half. Uh, he got there. And this is the handpicked guy right from Chris Peterson. So curious to see which direction uh, the Huskies go. I don't see a ton of overlap between USC and Washington. I think there still could be some. Um you know, be probably looking at you know. There's probably a different pool overall of candidates, but you know, both could be interested in a guy like, you know, Dave Aranda, Matt Campbell. Like, you know, I think those are names that are high on USC's list and probably be high on uh, Washington's list. But another one bites the dust. Another head coach goes down, and uh, we'll see which direction uh, Washington goes. And it's it's definitely a silly season. And speaking of coaching changes. Jamora, we talked about, he took the uh, job at Connecticut, but he did an interview with uh, Bruce and Stu over at the Audible, and I thought it was good just to kind of hear his take on things. It's funny. You know, he felt like he didn't deserve to be fired uh, from UCLA, and they haven't done well since he left. He's like, I went to five bowl games, you know, and they had one bad year, and, um, you know, he ends up getting fired. But he, I think he, he had to – um, reflect a little bit and look around, like, why am I not getting opportunities? And he was a little gruff with the media. Sometimes he could be a little intense. He was saying, and he's trying to like, you know, change that a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where you learn, if you remember, you know, just coming from the NFL to college, he was learning about all the politics and things you have to do. I think when Ed Orgeron, like was, you know, when he took the old miss job, you're trying to control everything and all that. Then, uh, you know, the next time you get a head coaching job, you're like, okay, I can ease off of this, ease off of that. It sounds like Jim Moore is going to be in the same boat from the interview, but definitely go check it out. But the interesting aspect of it, know, this is the former UCLA coach, obviously, the interesting aspect is, you know, him talking about being on staff right now. So he's an assistant coach for UConn right now. Now, he's saying he's trying to stay out of the way. He's going to the games, but what it allows him to do Is get out on the road and recruit for UConn right now. So he's the next head coach, and is in their early recruiting. And I think that can be a huge thing. And the fact I hate the early signing period timing. I don't like December, middle of December. Like the season's just over, and you're going to sign everybody. Like you're still getting ready for bowl games and all that stuff. I'd love to see like an August early signing period where just you know that quarterback that's been committed for two years he can sign but you don't need everybody to sign on December 15th. You know, that just doesn't make much sense to me, especially because silly season, the coaching search stuff's going on. Now people are going to be firing coaches even earlier. And what Jim Moore is doing is going to be probably copied as well. If you can bring in someone early and, you know, it might help the coaches that are just out of work. Um, It's certainly harder if you're going to try to get a coach that's working right now to leave their current job. Now we've seen, that happened at Texas Tech with McGuire leaving Baylor um you know but he wasn't a head coach if you're trying to get if you're trying to get you know Aranda out of Baylor he's probably not leaving before the end of the season uh but if you could get him and you could put him on your staff now he could get out there and recruit for the next class and that's a huge advantage so Jimmy I mean Jim Mora being out there recruiting I think it's a big deal um it's nice that you can do that but I don't know you know if you hired Bob Stoops, he could do that. If you hire Chris Peterson, you could do that. But you got to get someone that's out of work or get them to leave their job early. But I just wanted to share that. I thought that was interesting with Jim Moore. As far as the college football playoff rankings go, Oregon is still number three, and Utah is number 24. Those teams play this week. So um, we'll see kind of what happens there. There's actually some other breaking news that um, Chris Cartman uh, tweeted out like pretty much right before. I went uh, to record this uh, to I mean, so Arizona state players were involved in a two car accident after practice. So he said a traffic accident involving two cars that were being driven by ASU football players occurred as they were returning from the practice fields. Um, so the, the freshman defensive end, Joe Moore um, defensive back, T Lee Stan uh, Stanley Lambert, uh, Jalen Connors, there's a few other guys, but um, There were some injuries. Uh, One, uh, you know, Connors had to, uh, Conyers had to be taken to a local hospital. So apparently they used to do buses and stuff, and now they're doing, so pre to the, before the pandemic, they would take um, coaches were driven roughly half a mile to the, from the facility to the practice field on buses and golf carts. Now players are responsible for getting themselves there and uh, you know, they'll carpool for the short drive, but that uh, that might be re-evaluated now that this accident happened. But I just want to let people know what was going on with that. Uh, but thanks to the reporting from Chris Cartman, I thought I'd share that. Um, as far as uh, some other news, John Kinzano uh, has addressed and has been harping on the quality of some of the ESPN broadcasts. And uh, when they're broadcasting Pac-12 games and he did some research and it comes down to the TV truck, apparently. So They have like ESPN's like number five truck or something for these games. And they said, I guess the truck's not that old, but a lot of the equipment that's inside of it uh is or was. So they didn't really pinpoint exactly what uh was going down as far you know as far as like what's going on in the truck, but they did replace or upgrade a lot of the equipment there, and you know, it seems like that was going on. It just looked didn't look like if you missed some of these. The broadcast just didn't look like they were in H D. So nice reporting by Kenzano. And we'll see this weekend if it makes a difference. I'll have to look. Uh let's see what would be ESPN game. So ESPN had oh it would be the Arizona State, uh, Oregon State game. So that's the late night game, seven thirty PM. Uh so truck that fifth truck or whatever I believe it was the fifth truck, uh, will be up in uh Corvallis. We'll see if um the quality gets better. So let us know what you feel like Uh, as far as the division races go. So, you know, the two favorites are Oregon and Utah. Obviously Oregon would clinch a spot in the championship game. uh, If they beat Utah this weekend or Arizona state beats uh, Oregon state, and then Utah would win the South uh, with a win over Oregon or Oregon state beats Arizona state. So those are the two important games for the division race um and of course the championship game is going to be Friday December 3rd at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas so that should be a lot of fun um bowl bids so Arizona we got a couple more that, that secured bowl bids this past week ASU Oregon Oregon State UCLA and Utah have all clinched a uh, bowl eligibility Washington State if they can get a win this weekend they would clinch um USC and Washington each need two wins but no USC has three games um and you know washington has two uh cal has three games left also but they need to win all three and then arizona colorado and stanford are all eliminated so it's kind of the news and notes uh of what's been going on now we gotta do our pac 12 roundup okay so this is gonna be a lot to do with me kind of doing the sounds and going back and forth and talk about what was going on um but yeah so there was a bunch of games my what I ended up doing, uh, as far as um, I guess you could say, the uh, power rankings, uh, just pretty much kept them the same. I think this is one of those situations where, if you look at the standings, the teams at the top of the North, Oregon, Oregon State, you know, they won. Those are the teams we you know we had higher. The teams at the top of the South, Utah, uh, Arizona State, and then you know UCLA, they also won. Uh, And all the other teams lost or didn't play. So there was talk. I mean, Dave and I both talked about switching Washington and California. Uh, We had Washington one spot above Cal, but Cal didn't get to play. Washington's actually ahead of Cal in the standings, but I think Cal's look better now. But because they had the week off and then they had that terrible game against Arizona, it's hard, you know, I I would – my gut says put Cal above Washington, but as of right now, we're going to keep it – the way it is but let's go to our uh number 12 team stanford cardinal and they were uh taking on or they're they're on the road taking on oregon state beavers and we have oregon state at number five by the way um well you know we could have uh Washington State did lose. We could drop them down. Uh, but man, it's tough because they won that. They but okay, we'll keep it we'll keep it like it is for now and we'll like change it again uh, you know, when David comes back. So this was uh Oregon State rolling past Stanford, thirty five fourteen. Like you said, they became bull eligible. So Stanford's really banged up. Uh Ari Patu was the um the quarterback for the Cardinal, so he had his first career start. And uh, Tanner McKee, who should be back, um, you know, uh, next week, but they just couldn't find any sort of offensive rhythm. Um, 70 yards of offense and five first downs in the first half. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think probably a little throwing still too much for uh, Chance Nolan and Oregon State, but, um, you know, this was a – it was that there was an 80 yard touchdown drive uh, and then another touchdown off a, a fumble, a Stanford fumble that kind of put things away late. So they had 218 yards rushing uh, you know against Stanford and Nolan threw 25 times for 257 yards and he ended up having uh, two touchdowns. So congrats to the Beeves. they got things right and that's they covered and that's the actual the only game. That I got right as far as uh, covering the spread goes. So Dave and I both had OSU for the week. um, I went one three and one. Dave went two two and one. The first game, well, we'll talk about we're actually gonna talk about this one next. This next one is the one we had different and uh, end up getting it wrong. But our number eleven team, Arizona Wildcats, they were hosting our number two team, Utah Utes. And, uh, yeah, so this was one of those where you're like, huh, what's uh, Utah's favored by 24? Are they going to go into Arizona and, like, light them up? Eh, it was 38-29, and, it, you know, it was a close game. So that's that's one of those things where you're like, hmm, um, what is going on here? Now, Davion Thomas didn't go for Utah. Uh, they opened the, the game with a touchdown. That's their fifth straight time that they scored a touchdown on their opening drive. But Arizona just kind of made plays throughout this one. So there was a – I think it was fourth and five, and Plummer scrambled for a 43-yard touchdown. Um, You know, and you're like, whoa. So when you're trying to cover a 24-point spread, stuff like that happening where most likely you stop them on fourth and five and you get the ball at midfield or whatever, and um, then you make it a two-touchdown game. Well, no. Uh, Plummer scrambles away and gets a touchdown. It's a huge switch, in, you know, switch of momentum. Um, you know, Utah had a 50-yard pass, I think it was to to Britton Covey, wiped out because of a holding penalty. You know, uh, Arizona goes on and scores, and they went up 14-7 in this game. Things just were not going Utah's way uh, early on, and they, you know they hung on to win this one. But Arizona was scrappy, and uh, they really tried. Uh, you know, tried their best in this one, and I feel like it's one of those situations that um, Arizona played pretty well, and Utah just had a few things not quite go their way. You feel like they're going to win comfortably, even though there was chances for Arizona, but you weren't going to win in that blowout fashion that Utah's been doing lately. Uh, you feel like they've been—I mean, that's why I picked uh, Utah the way they were—they were blowing these teams out. And uh, but just early on, you could kind of tell like they weren't, you know, it's like you're playing poker and like, you're just like yeah, playing pretty well, but I'm not getting the cards. Like the, the turn card screwing me over, whatever it is. Like just, it wasn't quite going Utah's way. And it was for Arizona. Now, they couldn't get their second win, but um, they were definitely uh, a feisty team again and kept it close. All right, uh, let's go. Next up, we have our number 10 team.
1: Colorado Buffaloes.
2: And our number six team,
1: UCLA Bruins.
2: This one was a both Dave and I picked Colorado. UCLA was favored by seventeen, and we were wrong. Uh, UCLA wins forty-four to twenty. And thanks Colorado because you know Colorado, you were up twenty to seven. Came out early, uh, scored an early touchdown, pick off Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Everything's going their way. First half they did really well. Uh, Move the ball. They scored 20 points in the first half, 264 yards, and uh, pretty much shut it down after that. The second half, the Bruins scored in their first four touchdowns on their first four drives, um, 34 unanswered points uh, in route to the blowout. So, you know, you're thinking when you're getting um, 17 points and you're up 20 to seven at halftime, you know, you're going to do pretty good and cover this game. That's the kind of week it was for the picks where it's just like, nope. Uh, you were up big, but that's not the way it's going to go. UCLA end up having 219 yards uh, in the third quarter alone. Um, so this was, and Colorado had 117 yards in the second half and didn't score at all. So, yeah, uh, tough situation for the Buffs. We saw them just, you know, their offense get way better uh, the last couple of weeks. And I felt like it was going to be enough to keep this within, you know, 17 points of UCLA, but man, they just completely fell apart. And uh, yeah, so the Buffs uh, lose again, and uh, UCLA uh, gets back in the win column. So good for the Bruins. Okay, uh, next up, we had our number nine team. USC Trojans. They were going to go on the road to take on our number eight team. California Golden Bears. (laughs) But it was COVID postponed, so no game. Uh, December 4th, like we said, uh, last week's show. So those teams didn't play. We didn't move them in the rankings at all. Uh, Next up, we had uh, our number seven team. Washington Huskies. And uh, they were hosting our number four team.
1: Arizona State Sun
2: Devils. Uh, This was the one that was a half point uh, that we got wrong. So Washington was getting uh, five and a half points. Um, And, you know, so Arizona State was minus five and a half. Uh, Arizona State won by five points. They won 35 to 30. Now, this – and Arizona State was winning by two touchdowns, you know, late in the game, under two minutes left. So it looks like a backdoor cover, right? It looks like well, the Washington scores a garbage touchdown, and that's how they, you know, uh, Arizona State didn't cover the spread. But this was Washington's game from the very beginning. Uh, it was fourteen nothing early. Um, Arizona State was, you know, down fourteen nothing. They're trying to put a drive together, uh, goal to go situation, and Daniels got stopped on fourth and goal. You know, and so it's still fourteen nothing. Uh, You know, ASU cut it to 17, seven at the half and uh, neither offense really did much uh, in the beginning, but then you started to see uh, Rashard white get, uh, get, get going. Uh, He cut the lead to 17, 14 with his touchdown. Um, But you know, Washington came right back. They scored again, 24, 14. Um, But as you say, then Arizona state, this is a really weird sort of sequence. So, they're still down two scores, right? They're down 10 points, uh, 81 yard drive that took, uh, (laughs) it was 20 plays, nine minutes off the clock. Um, so they had, you know, a long third down conversion. There was a fourth down, um, but Daniels runs it in and it's a field goal game. Um, and you know, so they get the, you know, Washington didn't do anything on offense, white scores again, and now Arizona state has the lead. So, A minute, 11 left on the clock. Arizona State's up 28-24, right? So, um, no way they're going to cover this one. Well, Washington throws a pick six. Merlin Robinson returns it for a touchdown. So, now you're like a minute left or whatever, or 45 seconds left or whatever. Uh, Arizona State's up 35-24. So, now they're up 11. You're like, you're definitely going to cover. But then somehow, Washington... uh, Goes 63 yards uh, in just three plays, and they cut it to 35-30. So now the cover's no longer in play, um, and we're, we're screwed on that one. But they get the onside kick, and try Hail Mary, it doesn't work. Um, but ASU did score 21 un- unanswered points, and uh, that's kind of where this game went. But just, just absolutely crazy when you think about what was going on here. Like, how did this all – How did this go down like this? But Washington had the early lead. A lot of chances to kind of hold on and win this game. ASU has been reeling. They did beat USC, but other than that, they've just not looked very good. Um, But once White started rolling for ASU, uh, and we saw both teams just kind of go on drives where you're just going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Um, but ASU did a little bit better, and uh, they get the win. But it was a really that was a really weird game. And if you just watch the last like minute and a half, you're like, what is going on here? All right, we got one game left. But uh, number six, we had UCLA. We already talked about number five, Oregon State. We already talked about number four, Arizona State. We already talked about, and we definitely could have moved um, this team down, but we're just going to keep it the same. And we'll change it next week uh, when David gets gets back. We have number three, Washington State Cougars. <laughs> and uh they were taking on the number one team Oregon Ducks uh we also got this one well this was a tie so this was uh Oregon hosting Washington State favored by 14 points uh we both had Washington State and ended up being a 14 point win and a tie we actually sort of got lucky because there was garbage time touchdown for Washington State but we'll uh kind of go over that a little bit um you know, Jane DeLora, uh, I think I think where Washington State lost this was on the first drive. So they had a first drive, a 70-yard catch and run uh, with Calvin Jackson Jr. And uh, this was just the second play of the game. But, you know, when DeLora, like, ran for the pylon, he loses the ball and it goes out of the end zone for a touchback and Oregon takes over. That was sort of like, if Washington State could have punched that in, you know, on the very first drive of the game, I think the drive, I think the whole game is going to turn out differently. Uh, but, you know, as it turns out, you know, first quarter, the Ducks dominated, they end up uh, outscoring Washington state by 14, and it's 14 nothing. But, you know, give the Kooks credit, they did come back. But it would have been a different story, I think, if they had that early touchdown. You know, they come back and actually have it tied at halftime. But then it was sort of just like, you know, Oregon's up by ten. Maybe then it goes it goes back down to to seven. But then Oregon, um, you know, keeps putting up points. They're up thirty one seventeen. You know, that they get an interception. Uh, they punch it in again, and now it's like thirty eight seventeen. And it just looks like Oregon's running away with it in the fourth quarter. Like I said, Washington State did get a garbage time touchdown to make it 14, so really, you know, we the, the, the tie of the cover came, came late, but um, to me, this was that first drive of the game. If uh, Washington State was able to punch that in, I think it changes the complexion of the entire game, but it's, it's just that early play, and I've seen this in a lot of Pac-12 games, which is weird. That early play, uh, you know, beginning of the game, first couple drives, it just seems like to turn things. Now, we saw the Colorado game, right, where it wasn't that way. Colorado was dominating the first half and then things just completely switched. But it's usually when like a team that's favored is up, you know, doesn't do really well in the very beginning. And you're like, Oh, you know, Oregon's trying to cover 14 points. Washington state goes 75 yards the first drive and uh punches it in. It's like, Oh, that's a little bit different. Um Colorado with teams like that, when we saw them fall apart, like they've just had, Uh, a tendency to do that at times. They would fall apart and things wouldn't look good. But just those ones where you're just not sure how it's going to turn out, a lot of times we can watch that first five minutes of the game and go, okay, you can see the way this one uh, is going. And I think that was what happened for Washington State. They needed to make that big play. Uh, But only five games uh, from week 11 because of um, the COVID postponement. Uh, That game for USC Cal is now announced. Uh, 8 p.m. on December fourth. So after all of the championship games, it'll be on FS1. I'm sure lots of people will be watching that. You're just like, all the championship games are done. Oh, let's watch USC and Cal. Maybe one of those teams is fighting for bowl eligibility. Maybe neither of them will have it at that point. So uh, that'd be kind of funny. Um, d- yeah. So like I said, Dave went two two one. I went one three and one. Um, both of us still under 500, but Dave's got a a, a decent lead on me still. Uh, okay, let's go to our picks for week 12 against the spread. David sent me his. Um, let's see. So let me go. We can do our uh, sounds and everything. So first up, we have Arizona Wildcats. And they're on the road taking on Washington State Cougars. <laughs> This is a uh, November 19th. This is a Friday night game, 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 Networks. It's tough to do all these things. Like I I would do part, and then Dave would do part. Um, So, yeah, 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 Networks. Uh, Washington State is a 15-point favorite. Um, Dave's taking Washington State in this one, and, uh, you know, I get it. They're the number three team. Arizona's coming in at our... Uh, our number 11 team I you know I think that Arizona is going to be feisty yet again. They've just been feisty a lot lately given teams fits um, you know they they covered against Utah now that was at home. Um, this is on the road against Washington State. And uh, I think Jaden Delore has been, you know, great. That he's, you know, just he throws touchdown passes all the time. He's probably not going to get that fumble out of the end zone like he did uh, against Oregon in this one. And uh, you know the fact that they're playing at home, but 15 points is a bunch. We've seen Arizona just kind of hang around. It, am I going to be shocked if Washington State just blows them out by 30? Like, no. Um, but I'm going to ride with uh, Will Plummer in this one and see um, how Arizona does. Okay. That's our Friday game. Our So Dave and I have that one differently. Our Saturday games start off uh, at noon on the Pac-12 Network. Washington Huskies. They'll be on the road taking on
1: Colorado Buffalo.
2: So like I said, first game on Saturday, and it is another Pac-12 Network game. Colorado is getting six and a half points. So they're a... Uh, a home dog in this one. Two teams that we've seen have really inept offenses at times. Two teams we've seen completely collapse. <laughs> you know, um, they completely collapsed last week. Which team collapses this week? Uh, Dave is going with the Huskies. I'm going to take Colorado. Colorado at home. Uh, you know, they at least you know they've they've scored points the last three weeks. Now they didn't score in the second half. Uh, you know, in last week's game against UCLA, but they're at home. I'm gonna roll the dice and say that you know, um, you know Jettison, your offensive line coach has really helped and they're gonna they're gonna score some points. But the, you know, I just feel like either one of these teams could just fall apart on offense or both. But so if I'm gonna get six and a half points in a situation like that for a home team, I just don't think Washington's that good. Like they're getting some credit, which I don't think they deserve. Uh, so I'm gonna go with uh, Colorado. And Dave is going to take Washington. All right. uh, Next up, we're going to get into a rivalry game. We have UCLA Bruins. Uh, They'll be in the Coliseum taking on USC Trojans. This is uh, Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific. This will be on Big Fox. Uh, Our buddy Bruce Feldman is going to be on the sidelines for this one. UCLA is a three-point favorite uh, over the Trojans. So another home dog. You want to take those points at home with the Trojans? No. Uh, USC is an absolute mess right now. Uh, both Dave and I are taking the Bruins, um, laying the three Jackson dart will start, uh, in this one. So Keaton Slovis has some, what they're calling a lower leg injury and he has not been practicing. He didn't practice last week and they're like pseudo by and, uh, Jackson Dart was announced on Monday that he'd be the starter, which is different than what Dante Williams has done. He usually doesn't announce that stuff. They're trying to get some sort of juice by having Dart start the game, but he's not looked that good in the games he split time with. And I'm not blaming any of the quarterbacks. It's just USC's offensive scheme isn't very good. Their defense has been bad. Now, UCLA's secondary is horrible, um, but I just don't think without Drake London, USC is going to be able to take as much advantage UCLA is going to run the ball. USC's had trouble stopping the run. So I like the Bruins in this one. Um, Chip Kelly gets the win. Uh, And that's, you know, for your Chip Kelly, non-Chip Kelly fans, it's probably not good. But uh, I I like UCLA to win this one convincingly. I didn't talk to David about what he thinks, but I'm guessing he's uh, probably in the same boat. Okay. Uh, Big game. You know what? Just because Dave's not here. I'll I'll do his thing. The big game. Uh, But, you know, they like to call big game, but we'll say for David, the big game. We have
1: California
2: Golden Bears. Down in Palo Alto taking on Stanford Cardinal. So this is the next window of games, 4 p.m. Pacific. uh, Also on Pac-12 Network, uh, pretty much a pick They have Stanford or California uh, as a a one-and-a-half point favorite. Stanford seems to be in these kind of games where like a point and a half. Um, but Cal, yeah, coming in, they of course had the forced bye week because of all the COVID stuff. The previous time they played without Chase Garbers, you know, they were, uh, they got beat by Arizona and it looks like both quarterbacks will be back. So that's good. I mean, we without McKee, like Stanford is terrible. Without Garbers, Cal is terrible. So you're going to see both uh, of these guys play. Dave's taking the uh, the road underdog, I mean the road favorite yet again. He's going to take Cal. I have a little faith. Once McKee comes back, I'm going to have some faith in Stanford. I do think they're butt. I think they're bad. Um, I'm just not sure. It, it, if I knew, if if Cal had not had that week off and in the terrible time with all the COVID stuff, I love the momentum that Cal had, but I just don't know what kind of Cal team we're going to get. This just feels to me like a Stanford opportunity. Like Cal was on a roll and they would have rolled in this game, but then they sort of derailed themselves with the COVID stuff. And I forget what the, it's like Stanford's won like 10 of 11 or something there. Like it's, it's crazy the amount of games Stanford's won. Um, in this one. So I just have a gut that says Stanford. Plus, I need to catch up to Dave, so I'd rather go opposite him anyway if I'm not sure. Uh, I can completely see Cal coming in and just getting back to their form. We're like, hey, we got everyone back. We're scoring points. We look good. The defense looks better. All that stuff that we've seen from Cal. Um, but this one is just one of those weird ones Uh, that I just feel like Stanford's going to play well. So uh, probably wrong. I've been wrong a lot, obviously, this season. But I'm going to go with Stanford and take or get the uh, one and a half points. Okay. Obviously, the uh, the game of the week in the Pac-12, we have Oregon Ducks. Going to Salt Lake City. And they will be taking on Utah Utes. I kind of want to just fly to uh, Utah for this one. But this is a 4.30 p.m. Pacific game. So starting half an hour after big game, the two, uh, two of the rivalry games, and this is on ABC. So big, uh, big game for the PAC 12, obviously very important. Both of these teams controlling their own destiny in the division. So if they can win, either one can win. Uh, they would clinch the division. Uh, Utah is a three point home favorite. Now Dave switches this one up. He likes Oregon coming into Salt Lake City and uh, getting the win. And I'm on the other side. I'm going to take Utah at home. I just love the way Cam Rising has been playing. Um, I feel like this is a situation where, and we've just seen this a lot from him, that he can make plays with his legs, Um, been very effective. They, They convert on these third and longs that you just haven't seen from Utah before if things don't go right early on, it just seems before, like for Utah, if things didn't go right early in the downs, like your first, second down, they're putting. Now they have a chance. Like they can make a big play on third and 16 where you're like, what? Like, where's that coming from? Um, You know, I think both teams are tough and gritty. They can run the ball. I don't mind. The three points is fine. Like, I don't mind laying that. If it was more than three, I think I would take Oregon. But the fact that it's three, I'm going to go Utah at home. I think I could be a a fairly convincing win. And, and what is the most Pac-12 thing, you know, like Oregon's poised to go to the playoff. They're in the debates talking about if they're better than Ohio state, better than Cincinnati, all that kind of stuff. They're number three in the rankings. I did. This just feels to me like Utah's going to win this game and then Oregon will win the Pac-12 championship game. That's, that's what I'm thinking, but you know, we will see, but Dave and I got that one differently. So uh, we'll see what happens, but that's definitely the game of the week. And then one last game, the Pac-12 after dark. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> They'll be in Corvallis, taking on Oregon State Beavers. This is seven thirty p.m. on ESPN, and like we'll see, you got to see if that uh, truck is is indeed improved. Uh, the Beavs—they're a home dog, uh, getting three points. I think I've picked Oregon State in like every game this year. And I believe they're five and four against the spread, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or five and maybe they're five and five. I don't remember. Uh yeah, because there's ten games. Both Dave and I are taking Oregon State in this one. Uh ASU just they've just not been the same. Jaden Daniels has not uh look like he's it looked like he's regressed more than anything. Um you know when Richard White's in the lineup for sure, but Washington was handling them. And I think Oregon State's a better team than Washington. So give me Oregon State and points. Like, okay, you know, this is one. I feel like, so uh, the bets I made last week, I didn't get to share my, my bookie bets. Uh, I did some a couple of double bets. Um, I did a double bet on Oregon State, and I won that one, which was nice. So I put two units on that one. I also put a double bet on um, Oregon and Washington State, with Washington State, but that one ends up pushing um, so I did okay when I like had more confidence in the bet. I think the Oregon State one plus three, I would put uh, two units on probably. And I think I'm going to put two units on um, UCLA. So we'll see. Some of the other one, you know, just not super sure. But I think I'm going to do those two as far as like double units go and see if I can uh, make some of that up a little bit. It helps when you hit one of the double bets and stuff. Okay, so... That is it for our preview and recap. We're going to get to a bunch of questions after this break.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
2: All righty. Let's go to an email. So I'm going to have to bounce back and forth with all these. Um, Yeah. Reading, going through, producing the show. This is, this is all fun to do by yourself. Uh, Bernie says, I just finished listening to your week 10 review, which was excruciating considering how bad the conference is in hopes of hearing a little about the basketball game tonight. So this was sent. uh, Well, this was last week, you know, the number two team in the nation going against a number four team in the nation. I think that was UCLA Villanova. I don't remember. Uh, But not one word. It seems you guys would rather dwell on garbage than exciting elite teams playing. Ryan, I will excuse you as I know you have an aversion to anything not football. But Dave, I mean, not even a reminder to the Bruin family? Is this truly a podcast of champions? Shouldn't you at least acknowledge something the conference is actually good at? Uh, That's from Bernie. Here's the deal, Bernie. I think Dave is, um, he's tuned out of basketball. Like, you know it, he liked UCLA when they were bad now that they're good he just he's not into it anymore so i don't think you're going to get much from him uh no if you're it's funny uh you look at his twitter account so he tweets about his father passing away and then he's tweeting all about uh UCLA's basketball game later on that night um he's big into it he's big into you know, when UCLA's good he's into it um we are not a basketball podcast like if something crazy crazy happens Um, we might mention it, but it just, that's, we're, we're a football podcast. We're not a basketball podcast. We're the podcast of champions talking Pac-12 football, not, uh, anything else. If we could talk about a lot of stuff that the Pac-12 is good at, people don't care about. Um, yeah. So there's, there's other, you know, things you can do with your, your UCLA basketball. Uh, you know, I think the bro podcast talks about it. Uh, you know. Um, no truck stops. They like talking about basketball. That's not our thing. That's not been our groove. That's been our stick. I don't follow it at all. Like I literally don't, you know, um, follow basketball at all. So I w- you wouldn't want to hear from me on what's going on with college basketball, but thank you, Bernie for the uh, email. Let's go to Steven. Uh, first time listener. Thanks, Steven. Uh, just listened to your podcast for the first time and found some of it puzzling. First of all, David seems to take shots at an Oregon team and coach that has been the best in the Pac-12 the last few years. Taking shots against the best team because your team sucks just makes you sound like a bitter fool. I think you just mean a bitter fool. And the whole narrative that USC Homer pedals, that USC is the only true elite team, is absolute trash. USC has been a wreck since Carroll, who I thought was a great coach. With the recruiting and development taking place, Oregon is only going to get better. I know it's hard pill to swallow for some arrogant USC fans. Hey, Stephen. Um... So I guess it's your first time listening. I think so. It's probably an LA centric podcast. Cause that's where Dave and I reside. That's where, you know, we've lived for a long time. He grew up here. Um, he covered, you know, went to UCLA covers UCLA. I went to USC twice cover USC. Um, but we talk trash about everybody and our, the programs we cover probably more than anyone else. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't you know, maybe listen a little longer, but I I would uh I I hope you don't think that either one of us are like homers homers. Now, he's going to talk about UCLA basketball like it's like the greatest thing ever cuz that's just sort of his deal. Um, you know, I cover USC. I'll talk about the team, but I'll give you the, you know, I'm not going to say Oregon is like a like say Mario Cristobal leaves and you're going to say, "Hey, I'm I'm Steven writing into the show." is Oregon a better job than USC? I'll say, no, USC is a better job and it's by a lot. And you're know, like, Oh, Oregon has been better lately. And I'm like, sure. All that stuff is true, but like, it doesn't mean it's a better job. Um, and that's just, I'm going to give you my opinion on, on what's going on there. I think Dave probably thinks the UCLA job is, is better than some, not better than Oregon right now, but he might say it's better than Washington. And then other people would say Washington is better. And you know, there's, you could have some debate and stuff there. So I would say stuff like that. I will, uh, just tell you how I feel about what's going on. Um, But, you know, it's not about we're, like, fans of these schools that are – and we're, like, mad at Oregon for being good or anything. We're just going to tell you, like, what we feel. But thank you for the email. Uh, Let's see. We have a text message from Brent. Hey, guys, I've been hearing a lot of Beaver fans saying they want Jimmy Lake as a new defensive coordinator. And would that be a, quote, home run guy? I also was thinking potentially – uh, Keith Hayward, big-time recruiter and former Beaver player. What are your thoughts, Brett? To be honest, I haven't looked too much into the Oregon State hot board as far as defensive coordinators. They fired Tim Tibusar, obviously, um, which you know I think kind of needed to happen. That there's been a lot of continuity on that staff with Jonathan Smith, and if one side of the ball is not getting it done, I mean they get elite offensive line play and they can run the ball really well. You need a pretty good defense to kind of pair with that, and when your defense is just just giving up chunks and chunks. You got to do something different. I think if you're going to get Washington's former head coach as a defensive coordinator, yeah, I'm cool with that. Like, I think that'd be great. And I like, I like Keith Hayward a lot. Um, I just know him personally through covering him at USC. I think he is a great recruiter. Um, the fact that he's, you know, got connections there, uh, yeah, I think that would be a, a good one as well. But I, like I said, I haven't really dug into, um, the, uh, the hot board of stuff what's going on. And along the same lines, Kevin uh, said, Ryan and David, with the firing of Tim Tibisar from Oregon State, uh, the Beavers are looking to fill the spot at the end of the season. Is it more likely to see uh, Trent Bray be elevated to full-time coordinator or with the history Jonathan Smith and Jimmy Lake have at Washington, could he possibly become the next defensive coordinator at Oregon State? There's always a the possibility that they make an outside hire for the position as well. Of the three options which is likely to happen, thanks Kevin. um so yeah I you could do a promotion of Bray, but the fact that the defense has been that bad, I don't know the continuity thing you sort of want to get away from them now I haven't i I should talk to Angie uh Machado and, and kind of get her thoughts on this. um I feel like just my gut is saying eh, the Jimmy Lake thing, I don't know if that would happen um and you know, I would like to see them do. Uh, you know, a national search and and hire someone from outside the program and kind of mix up the defensive culture a little bit if you can. But, you know, like I said, Jimmy Lake was the head coach at Washington. If you can get him to Oregon State, which is, you know, if you're talking about head coaching jobs, Washington is better than Oregon State. But you get the head coach from a better school to come to your school to be defensive coordinator. Like, yeah, that, that I mean, I think that would be a coup. I don't know if it would happen, but I haven't dug too much into it, like I said before. But thank you for the question. Um. All right. Let's see. We've got. Why don't we do? We had a couple of voicemails. Why don't we play one of these? Here you go.
1: Oh, what's good, guys? This is Evan from Tempe. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, Jaden Daniels, and uh, I I want to know. Uh, you know, obviously, right now it's not looking good. Uh, but I just want to know. You know, do you think that Daniels is just not good, or do you think he's just straight up bad? Um. You know, I'm just kind of wondering. Just I really can't figure the guy out. Um, I love him. Like, you know, I, I really like him. And I think that he, you know, still could maybe, you know, salvage his career if he stays another year. And I mean, I'll, I'll definitely be rooting for him really hard these next couple of weeks. I'm really hoping he can kind of figure it out. But, you yeah, know, as of right now, it's looking like, like, you know, he's just kind of not that good. And, um, I just want to know also, you know, regardless to you think he's just kind of not good, if you think he's just kind of straight up bad. Uh, do you think that it's because of the coaching staff? I know obviously, you know, if he is not good or bad, that's who he is. But I just want to know, do you think that he could have been good and would have been good if the coaching staff were developing? Because obviously they didn't. I know he's not playing well. I get that. But do you think that he would have played well if the coaching staff actually coached him up? So uh, thank you, guys.
2: Evan, we always love your call. Thank you for calling in. I love the options uh, he gives. Is he not good or bad? Um, hard to distinguish between those two. So in this past, the, 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 uh, Washington game, he was 10 of 16 for 90 yards. Probably still, I should have mentioned that in the, uh, in the recap. Um, he had one touchdown, one interception, Dylan Morris on the other side was 16 of 28 for 151 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Like if I gave you those two stat lines heading into the game, like one of these is going to be Dylan Morris and one of them is going to be Jaden Daniels. Like, I think I would have reversed them um they're not that different I mean 60 more yards passing or whatever but you know 28 more passes um obviously Arizona State's trying to run the football he looks like he's regressed and I don't feel like in a lot of these situations like you've seen him have success right like you've seen him be in situations where man he looks good like that's uh I, Jane Daniels is a future star in this league. I've seen these at USC a lot where like a k- guy looks good as a freshman. Keen Slovis looked great as a freshman. Why does he look kind of terrible as a junior? To me, I'm putting more of that on the coaching staff than on the player itself. Like if you've seen the player play well, they played well in college football, very similar situations. Now people know more about him As the head coach or the offensive coordinator or the, co- the quarterback coach, like you want to put these guys in a position to succeed. Now, if you put me or David out there and running the Arizona State offense, could I hand off to Rashard White and not trip over myself and hurt myself? Probably, most of the time. Um, uh, but it's gonna, I'm gonna have a hard time completing passes, going through my reads, getting the ball where it needs to go and all that. But you've seen him do that. Like you've seen him be successful in college football games against crappy competition, good competition. You've seen him have some ups and downs or whatever, but you know he is capable of getting a ball snapped to him and throwing the ball over the field, finding open receivers and making plays. Now, he's had drop there's been drops. There's been there's been other issues around it. It's not just his play, but I tend to look at, well, what the hell is a coach doing in this situation? And I you know, so I would say I wouldn't throw this all on, say, okay, Jaden Daniels is trash. Like I'm not gonna say Keenan Slovis is trash. I've seen those guys not be trash. I've seen them play really good football. Are they in a good organization right now? Like, no, there's a, I mean, Arizona state USC, they're both messes, right? Like they're both, you know, coaches that aren't there anymore. Um, you know, schemes that maybe people have caught up to and there hasn't been adjustments made or or whatever. Um, you know, especially at ASU when you have that kind of run game and you have a really good defense to go with it. I think it's a crime that his numbers have been the way they are, but I, to me, I'm pointing that more on the coaches than, uh, than the kid himself. So just my opinion, Evan, but thank you for calling in. Let's go back to the emails. Bobby says, human sheep coat and Pacto officiating. So Ryan and Dave, I'm the one who thought the announcer said human sheep coat in reference to Drake London. And although I'm embarrassed that I misheard the announcers, I nearly cried laughing about it when I heard the podcast last week. So I think it was worth it. 100%, Bobby, it was worth it. First of all, yes, you misheard it. But you could have easily wrote into us and said that as a joke, and we should have picked up on it that it, it meant human cheap co- cheat code and not sheep code, but we were both taken aback. Plus, usually we're about an hour and a half into the podcast when we start reading these things and our brains turn to mush. You guys should try it sometime. Like it is, it's not, you know, it's not super easy all the time when you're trying to do all these million things and you're reading and you're just like thinking and all this stuff. And it just after a while, just talking, talking, talking you go a little bit insane. And doing it by yourself, it can go a little bit insane. But anyway, he said, on another note, Pac-12 officials continue to be awful. Just from the Arizona State-Washington game, there was a fake punt where the Arizona State player nearly decapitated the Washington punter in what was clearly a launch and helmet-to-helmet at the end of the play. It wasn't even reviewed, and there was no targeting call. Uh, On another, Washington kicked an onside kick with three seconds left, and after the Arizona State player touched it, The ball, at least six, seven seconds elapsed, but the clock only moved once for the Washington, once the Washington player touched the ball and somehow they had one second left. Granted, it didn't matter because Morris, Morris, quote, Morris, the next play, but it could have impacted the outcome of the game. Thanks. Have a great day from Bobby. I didn't notice that one, Bobby, with the the onside kick. Um, Yeah, it's supposed to like, it would have had to been a super quick onside kick because as soon as it's touched, the uh, clock would start. I believe that's, how the rule works. I don't know if it's something where, yeah, I I believe that's how it works even with, uh, with an onside kick and, you know, punt targeting is weird to begin with. And then you put it on a punt play. It makes it even weirder. Uh, you just, I think you just add more discrepancy, you know, just more, there's a, a wider range of things that can be called when it's a special teams play for whatever reason. So, but thank you, Bobby for, um, that, uh, that email. Okay, next up, we got our buddy Hithoday, and his subject is Matthew 28, 3. So if I look that up, uh, modern world, or yeah, modern English world or English Bible translates the passage as his appearance was bright as lightning, and his clothing is white as snow. Uh, so that's Matthew uh, 28, 3. And he says, How do you boys suppose? Uh Moorhead, he's talking about Joe Moorhead, the offensive coordinator for Oregon. We'll respond to Scalys and he's Morgan Scaly's uh cover the defensive coordinator for Utah. Uh Scaly, uh cover one blitz blitzing on third down. So how are you going to respond to Utah's cover one blitzing on third downs? That's exactly the kind of podcast we are hit the day breaking down real specific formations on you know what down and distance. Um Utah is a team that we've seen run a lot of man-to-man stuff, right? So they, you know, probably not going to have dropping three safeties, deep safeties. It starts up front with what Utah's doing. I think that there's some similar teams as far as like, you know, you want to start in the trenches. I think Utah's a team that does that. I think Oregon's a team uh that does that, and I feel like the linebackers are always key for Utah's defense. They are asked to do a ton. Um you know, and they'll probably come after, you know, run blitzes. They'll probably come after, uh, you know, Anthony, like you, you know, Anthony Brown. Like you're, I think you're going to see some stuff from the, the Utah's front seven. Uh, and they don't mind leaving guys on island and let them play man to man. And it, you can get burned sometimes um, for sure. Uh, but, you know, leave, leaving one safety back there to kind of take care of things and let everyone else sort of do their their deal, lock up guys as much as you can one-on-one and bring extra pressure, show pressure, and drop guys back into coverage. I think you'll see a lot of that stuff, but I'm not I'm not some expert on uh, Utah's defensive schemes, I would say. But I, obviously, game of the week, want to watch that one for sure. But thank you, uh, Day. This is Express, from Expressway. Uh, timeline for hires. When do you expect Washington and USC to make a decision on their hires? Yeah, well I mean Washington's came more out of the blue. Now, last time Washington made a change at head coach, they had their guy right away. Um USC's already been, you know, a couple months. Uh the problem is like you have so little time between the end of the season and the early signing period and you know, for Washington you've had a longer time to kind of build the class and you're probably going to see some decommitments. I mean, USC's seen them. Uh, Demonte Jackson, the highest-rated player in California, uh, was committed to USC. He's a Dante Williams guy. Uh, but there's so much uncertainty around the program. He's re- recently decommitted. USC's like number nine in the Pac-12 right now recruiting rankings. So it's bad. But I think, like, USC, if they have to take time and go till later in December to get the right guy, they might do that. Um, uh, Washington could potentially do that as well. So, you almost want to sometimes you have to forego that recruiting class when it's going on because it's not in February, it's now in December. Now, if you get a guy like Jim Mora, like we talked about at the top of the show, he can help that recruiting class immensely by getting out there and recruiting right away. Um, I'm guessing like you would like it to happen soon after the season. Now, USC season just got extended because they had to play Cal now on December 4th. And if you think about it, the season ends, right? Okay. Oregon and Utah are sort of getting punished a little bit on the recruiting front. If they make, let's say they both make the championship game. So December 3rd, uh, they're not playing at home. They got to go to Vegas. Now they can come back for Saturday cause they play on Friday night, but there there's only two official visit weekends you can have before the early signing period. So that weekend, December 3rd, and then the weekend, December 10th, um, December 15th starts the early signing period. So, if you're playing the championship game, you sort of get screwed. You can't be at home to host recruits. Now, I guess you could do it later. That You could start it on Saturday or whatever, but um, usually those things start on Friday or even Thursday. You can't do that if you're, let's say it's Oregon and Utah. Well, USC and Cal now can't, well, Cal could because they're doing home, but USC can't either because they're going to do a road game. Um, the timing is so compact. Uh, so I would think you're shooting for, that first week of December, if you can do it, if you can't do it earlier than that. But not everyone's gonna be done with their jobs. And the better your coach you are, the the more season you would have left. So I mean it's a great question. I just don't know at this point because um, you know, if you're waiting for someone and you know maybe you can announce that a deal is done and you've agreed to it and let them finish out the season. But if not, like you could be waiting. And if you're waiting for an NFL guy, crap like you could be waiting you know late january or something so that's obviously not ideal um and if you can get you know if you're going to miss that first early signing period at least you can try to salvage some of it with the late signing period in february the more traditional one but you got to convince some guys to maybe not sign and then you can find other guys and of course the transfer portal is a big part of that but thank you for the email um i just want to give a shout out to kevin uh, on the pac-12 podcast website we did have uh a wrong link to um i think our our show that recapped week nine and previewed week 10 we had the previous week and i know not everyone uses that most people have their app and but kevin did not so kevin thank you for pointing that out i did end up fixing that so thank you why don't we do we have one more voicemail and then a couple more emails
0: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Kirk. Um, I'd say this question is probably for Ryan, just I've heard him talk about um, reading stuff from The Athletic in the past. Um, but I was just wondering, you know, based on some of the stuff that's uh, been written about uh, Jimmy Lake's tenure at the University of Washington and then uh, stuff that came out earlier in the year about Clay Helton's tenure, uh, I was wondering who do you guys think was, I guess, the more inept coach or, or I guess, the bigger idiot? Um, because, you know, all joking aside about Clay Helton, um, he was able to produce some decent seasons at USC and uh, put together some some okay recruiting classes despite that, that pretty bad 2020 year. And um, the, the kind of sense that I got was that Clay Helton was kind of ready to admit that he didn't know everything and was willing to go out and get a better recruiting staff or a better coordinator. Um, and a lot of that stuff doesn't seem like it applied at all to Jimmy Lake. So I was learning Um, if it's possible that uh, Clay Helton was not the
2: dumbest coach in the Pac-12 this year. Thanks guys. (laughs) Uh, Thanks Perk. Uh, Good one. I I mean, it's hard to compare because you know, USC just sort of had, you can half asset at USC and still, you know, end up in a Rose bowl and you could, you know, that year, the USC won the Rose bowl. They had Sam Darnold, you know, they had a bunch of guys that are, you know, gone to the NFL and uh they're one and three. They get blown out by uh Alabama to start the season, and they end up beating Colorado, who won the South. They end up beating Washington on the road, who went to the playoffs, and then they beat Penn State in the in the Rose Bowl. I just for that alone, I think you're gonna say you give Clay Helton the edge, but he has a lot of advantages, and a lot of that was just USC. It was just like Sam Darnold being him and Stuff that, you know, maybe you wouldn't get that guy if you were at at Washington. Um if you put Jimmy Lake in like uh Clay Helton's shoes, you know, maybe he has that same kind of success, maybe he doesn't. Um I I would just say there's more of a track record for for Clay Helton. So I probably would give him uh the benefit of the doubt. Both, you know, I think both have been like Peter principled up. They should neither one of them should have been head coaches, in my opinion, like at their where they were. Maybe other places. I think where Clay Helton is right now at Georgia Southern, that's where his first head coaching job should have been. I don't know if Jimmy Lake's first head coaching job should have been at Washington, you know? Prove it somewhere else. Because when you get your first head coaching job as at a prestigious place like Washington, um, you're learning on the job. You're definitely learning. Is that where you want to guy have someone learning on the job? Like I'd much rather bring someone that's been a head coach before, because everyone we hear about, even Jim Mora talked about this, where, you know, hey, I learned a lot from that. And then my time away, like sometimes you might fail at something, right? But you feel like you were doing it right. Like, oh, I didn't do so well, but this was wrong, and that was wrong, and that wasn't my fault, and blah, blah, blah. And you could say, if Jim Mora was saying all those things about what was going on at UCLA, if Rick Neuheisel was like, oh, then my gloves or whatever. And that, well, not Rick Neuheisel, but this was like Jim Mora's first, you know, college head coaching job. And – Then he, no one's hiring him for four years. And he said, like, he said this on the interview, um, you know, then you start looking at like, well, is it everyone else or is it me? And I think he came to the realization, hey, it's me. And I don't think you get that until you have experience. And so I'm sure, you know, Jimmy Lake had some thoughts about, you know, run the damn ball and stuff like stuff. That's not modern college football, like. There's teams that run the ball, but there's not going to, like, we're all just going to run the ball and play defense. Like, it's not going to work. Like, it doesn't work anywhere. Um, it's just not the way football is now. And I think if he got another head coaching opportunity, maybe he wouldn't realize that. But he only was there for two years. So maybe he doesn't have time to sort of realize that. Um, but I that's why you don't. It's It's tough to get a head coaching job when you're, you know, at a prestigious place cuz you're going to learn. There's things you don't know about being a head coach cuz you've never been one. I'd rather see someone learn, you know, at Toledo and then oh then they move up to uh you know, Kansas State and then oh then they were great at Kansas State and then they move up to Washington. Something like that. Um where you've learned at the different spots. And there's new challenges. Now you're in a big city, you're in Seattle versus a, a college town and now you're at a, you know, a top 15-ish job as opposed to a top 30 job. And, um, you know, you're at different recruiting grounds, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think you want to be able to learn from that. But anyway, long story short, yeah, I, I would go as far as you were putting some kind of idiot scale on it. I, I think I would Jimmy Lake, I think, would be on top of Clay Helton at this point. But both of them, I believe, were sort of Peter Principled up to where they got. Uh, all right, we've got a couple more and we'll let you go. Jay in New York. The subject is JT Daniels. Since we now know that Keaton slowis is not very good, imagine a world in where after his injury JT Daniels remains the starting quarterback at USC instead of transferring. Where would USC be today, better or worse, could Clay would, would Clay still be coaching? So Jay, I have um I've pretty strong feelings about this, and I feel like fans, a lot of fans will just instantly go to the quarterback you're like look see he sucks or oh see he's good um JT Daniels I think would have been good when he got hurt in 2019 in the first year of Graham Harold's offense at USC i mean they had four nfl wide receivers um they just were better and like people didn't really know what to expect it was like this new thing like oh what we, you know, how do we stop this Let's play man-to-man against these four NFL wide receivers. And no, it, it didn't work. I think Keaton Slovis or JT Daniels would have had a big year in 2019. There was a lot of people that were just like, as soon as Slovis takes over, like, oh, he's the greatest. JT sucks. Um, and I was like, I don't think JT sucks. He was sucky the year before because he was in a horrible offense in college. Are you going gonna to blame him for that? No. I mean, I think they liked him at Georgia now. He's not starting anymore at Georgia, but like he shows – he showed some you know, great capabilities when he was down there. Uh, we'll see if we see him more as Georgia tries to make their run at a national championship. Uh, but didn't it say that, well, now Slovis isn't any good. Well, what was he in 2019? He was great. He looked amazing. He threw for 400 yards a few times. He was the preseason all-Pac-12 quarterback coming into 2021. This is, and I think if you put JT Daniels in there all year, he does the same. He would have been great in 2019 and he'd be terrible in 2021 because the USC's offense is terrible. The, the scheme personnel, all that stuff. Like they're just not as good, especially without Drake London. And I think you're gonna see the same thing with Jackson Dart. I like him as a player. People get super excited about him, but swapping out Dart for Slovis is not fixing this offense, in my opinion. This is more about people have caught up with Graham Harrell. He's not made adjustments. Um, he's not been able to do things without like great, great players out there. And it's sort of the same thing that's been USC's offensive woes for a while, where you're, uh, you're relying on amazing players to make amazing plays. You're not scheming people open. You're not making it. So like everyone's looking this way and then oh, the tight end sneaks out the back and we hit him on a 20 yard like out or whatever. And he makes a big play like, no, it's more about, You're throwing the ball up to great athletes. Drake London, I think he still leads the nation in contested catches. Like that's great for him that he's had more contested catches than anybody. But why is he having so many contested catches? Like he's really good. Shouldn't he be open more? Like should he have less contested? Like and but no, because they their offense has been just like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, he's covered. We'll throw it to him anyway, and if he makes an amazing play, then we'll move the chains. Otherwise, we're going to punt. And that's sort of with a bait in USC. So I wouldn't say like Clay Helton's sticking around if JT Daniels stuck around. Um, he's looked bad in bad offenses. I think he'd look good in good offenses. Slovis, the same thing. He looked good in a good offense. He's or at least good personnel and and you know, an offense that everyone hadn't figured out yet. Now he looks bad. But I think JT Daniels will look bad. Uh my guess is Jackson darts not going to look all that great uh, on Saturday against UCLA, but you know, we'll see, but thanks Jay in New York for that one. And one last one it's a text message. Um, wasn't signed, but sending my love to you, Dave, and to your whole family during this dreadful time, take care of yourself, man. And I know that there are people out here wishing you well. I'm sorry. He says, and know that there are people out here wishing you well. And yes, uh, thank you for that text. Um, definitely people are out here wishing Dave. Well, Uh, Myself included. And uh, he's, you know, he'll be fine. He's got UCLA basketball that he's going to be all excited about and stuff. But um, apologize to everyone out there that we couldn't have uh, Dave on this week, but I think you can understand uh, why that was. But um, hope you either, anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show. We will be back probably early next week. We're going to try to figure this out. If Dave can't, and I, you know, whatever his schedule is going to be, I just don't know yet, but uh, we'll try to put something out early in the week. Uh, either me or him or both or whatever, and uh, we'll get we'll guys get you a show and hope you enjoy all the Pac-12 games this weekend. Don't forget Friday night game, and then five on Saturday. Got some rivalry games, a lot of stuff uh, for you all to get to. But thanks everyone for writing in, for giving us the five star reviews, for signing up at my bookie with uh, promo code Pac-12 the tweets, the, uh, emails, texts, voicemails, all that stuff. We do appreciate it. It's just, it's crazy, uh, how many people have like, you know, gravitated towards the show and listened to our little dog and pony thing. So we appreciate all of you for doing that. But for David, I am Ryan. Thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time.